0: Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nahamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nahamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.MaconMessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message.
1: Shabbat Shalom. It is a great privilege and responsibility to be in front of you, but I was so relieved when Rabbi sent the notice that he sends on Friday where he says, Irvin is going to speak from his heart. Ah, that's good. I don't have to convince you of anything except to share my experience, right? When you say you're going to speak from your heart, there's no pressure. So I have a lot of peace in my heart. And I'm going to share a little bit of my spiritual journey in the context of what do I have to do with Balaam, which was the Porsche study for, for, for this week. And. Uh, Also, the part where the serpents were uh, biting the people, and Moshe had to raise a snake in the desert. So, um, just let me give you a little bit of my background. As you can hear my accent, I was not born here in the States, but I was born in a small uh, town in northern Nicaragua, which is Central America. And mainly when you are in a Latin American country, you are typically born and raised Catholic. So I was not an exception to that. And I was raised in the Catholic Church with a very God-fearing grandmother who made sure that I was at the service on Sundays. Otherwise, I didn't have permit to go to the theater in the afternoon. Now, it was a very small town. The only thing that you could do there was either go to the park. It's a little park. There was not even, yeah, there were some swings. And go to the movies. So I had to go there. And I was... uh, Uh, I was taught the basis of Catholicism. I did my first communion around 12. But from the Catholics, I learned that God is something that you don't mess with. It's something that you respect. Church is a place of reverence. Uh, You don't question things, though. You just accept what the priest tells you. You don't even come up to the platform. I always had the curiosity what was behind the altar. But I never dared to do it. And so I received my lessons. And I had to confess before the priest. Before the big communion. And I remember confessing... Uh, mainly two sins. One is killing a few lizards, (laughs) and the other one, I don't remember now. What was the other one? uh, But anyway, I had to, and then you had to uh, pray the um, Ave Maria and the Father's Prayer, our Father's Prayer, I think he gave me 24 times. Now, if you're a Catholic, you have to know that depending on the extent of your sins, that's the number of Ave Marias and Holy Father that you pray on your knees. So I had a great, and my mother was a great, uh, devout Catholic. And she made us pray the whole rosary, for those of you who know what it means is purgatory on earth <laughs> because you have to be quiet. It's a long repetition of prayers and you go bead by bead of the rosary praying and children cannot move, cannot talk, cannot go to the bathroom while they are doing that. And it takes longer than Saccharit. okay, to give you an idea. But, but I learned to, fr- from those practices I learned to revere the name of God. And so I had this fear about his presence in my life. And I wanted to be a priest, by the way, to bury my mother, except um, puberty (laughs) changed things. And it's like, uh, I don't think so, I won't be a priest anymore. Now, a curiosity or a respect for God was in my heart. And as I was telling you, the little town didn't have too much of entertainment. But there was an entertainment coming to town. And it was on a Saturday afternoon. Evangelicals were coming to town to preach in the park, in the little park. So we decided, a group of five, of 14 years old, to go and make fun of the evangelicals. There's nothing else to do in town, so we went to make fun of them. And I think they were probably uh, Baptist slash probably Assembly of God. Because when they started praying, they started praying in a different way that kind of scared me a little bit. But when they preached, it was the first time that I was confronted with the extent of my sin. And the price that Jesus, our Messiah, had to pay for my sins. But, together, coupled with this beautiful love that God had for me. And when they were ready to make, of course, the famous call that evangelicals do every time they preach, I was ready to give my life to that Savior. Except that I was with my peers. And my peers were still making fun of them. So now what do I do? When they started praying, and then you were supposed to raise your hand, I was like looking around, and I didn't raise my hand because I was afraid of my peers, of the scorn. But then when we were like this, I noticed that there was another of my friends doing the same thing. And, and we kind of understood each other like the message had touched our 14-year-old heart And we were convicted of his love and his grace and his mercy. And we were like, and then we started like, you do it first. And he was like, you do it first. And I was like, neither one did it. I did it in my heart. And since that day, I wanted to look more for for this God that I have never searched in the Bible. And it was interesting because they made an invitation to go to the church That Saturday, in the afternoon. So I went to that church that was about one mile away from the center of the little town. And they were closed. So apparently I didn't understand. But next to the Baptist church, there was a seven-day Adventist hospital. And seven-day Adventists actually worship on Sabbath. So they were there to actually say goodbye to Shabbat. They do, they welcome Shabbat and they say goodbye to Shabbat. So I went, attracted by the music and it was like, I don't know, these people are not here. They were the ones who invited. So out of curiosity, I heard the piano and I ended up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. To tell you, uh, to shorten the story, I got baptized in the Seventh-day Adventist church at the age of 15. The first Protestant ever in a family who have been Catholic since, I guess, the Inquisition or before that. And my father confronted me and says, are you sure of what you are doing? Because he found out. And I say, yes. Are you sure they didn't brainwash your head? I said, nope, I know what I'm doing. See, that was my my rebellion against the establishment. So I became a Protestant. Now Protestants in a Latin American country have very low status. They are kind of disinherited, disenfranchised, looked down upon. So that's why I wanted to get baptized in the middle of the night where nobody saw me. <laughs> and the seven-day Adventist pastor said, yes, I will do it. But before I, we do that, I will read this verse. And it's the verse that he says, if you denied me, ooh, you know the rest, right? And so he baptized me? <laughs> baptize me on Sabbath. <laughs> and, and, and I got baptized at 15. And I stayed a Seventh-day Adventist until 2011, <clears throat> the year 2011. I started questioning, look at the, 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 where, the, the way that I questioned the role of the Jewish people in the church. What's the role of the Jewish people in the church? Do you see the, the kind of question, the framework? Is the Jewish people have to be in church? the church. And what really threw me off at that time was Romans 11. And I'm going to read to you uh, verse 17 and 18. And it says this, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, a wild olive shoot. Now you have to read the whole thing in order to understand the context. He's talking in the context of the Jewish people being the olive tree and the Gentiles being a wild olive shoot. I don't know if you have read that. And that threw me off completely. And I didn't know what to do with that. Because he says if some of the branches were broken off, and he's talking about the Jewish people, and you... A wild olive shoot, a Gentile, were grafted in their place and have come to share in the rich root of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches. If you do boast, consider, and this is the the, the worst part of the verse, that you do not support the root the root supports you. I didn't know what to do with that. If you read the whole chapter 11, it's very clear what, what he's saying, is that don't boast against the Jewish people. Don't think that you're better than them. Because if some of them were broken off and you were drafted in, don't even boast. Consider that you, don't, you do not support the root. Now, who's the root? <laughs> you have to read the whole Romans, okay? I will not convince you. The Holy Spirit will. Just read Romans. That was problematic for me, and I couldn't solve that. Because I was saying, what, the Jewish people supports me? It's like, I don't get it. Well, things happen. Spiritual emptiness in 2011 after a divorce, led me to feel like I was not getting anything out of the sermons in in, in the church. Now, it's not their fault. It was probably my own struggle. And I was not the only one that I was struggling, by the way, because... But I had to find someone. See, that's one of the the, the blessings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church for me is that they taught me to keep Shabbat and they are very good at keeping Shabbat. They don't do any work. They don't do any entertainment activities, TV. They don't even open the mail. And they do from sunset to sunset. And they guard the edges of the sabbath. I didn't know where they got that phrase, guard the edges, until I came here. And then I realized, wow, this is Jewish. <laughs> I thought it was that the Seventh-day Adventists created that. And they have a passion for reading the Bible. So... So I really read the whole Bible, not just the New Testament, but the whole Bible. So that was a rich heritage that I cherish and that I inherited. And so I was looking and reading, and I, I was reading more, and it was like, wow, this is saying that he was a Benjaminite. And Paul is saying that, he, he, that, that God is not done with the Jewish people. It's like, what? I thought we replaced them. (laughs) We are better than them. We accepted Jesus Christ. So I had to find a a church that met on Sabbath. So I went looking around in town. I was here in Macon at that time. And I went to the Orthodox uh, synagogue. and uh, I don't know why, but they were not open neither on Friday nor on Shabbat. And I ended up in Beth-Jeshua, the other synagogue. And actually, uh, God used uh, Rabbi Greg Hershberg uh, with his preaching and uh, with his teaching. And so, and God used also Susan and Larry Howard. I don't know if you know them. Susan and Larry Howard, they were showing me some things in in the Bible. And they were also in the Seventh-day Adventist church, but they were trying to find out what the Jewish people were, what was the plan of God with them and us, and they were ahead of me. And so they were inviting me to read more and study more. And so I attended Beth Yeshua for a couple of years, maybe three years. And we happened to move to just across Beth Yeshua. So it was very convenient to go. And and God used the congregation uh, to the point that they were talking about the older synagogue, the older group that meet in North Macon somewhere. And they mentioned you so many times that I had to find out who are they. (laughs) And so I came, and by the way, when I came to Nahamu Ami, I was still struggling with this concept that Israel was a special people still. So I was not convinced at that time much less as a nation, Israel, that they were special and chosen by God. So I came, you know, and I, of course, have been reading some history books and the history of the nation of Israel and, and all the uh, interesting way that through several centuries, but how fast, It took place after Second World War and all that. And also the first uh, years of the birth of the nation of Israel. So I had a lot of questions, but I was reading, I was studying history more than the Bible. And so I came with that mentality that they are not so special yet. Yet. And I remember sharing that with uh, Rabbi Damien, and also with another person that I liked very much, but I didn't know who he was. But I liked him so much; I connected with him from the beginning. He was Dr. Eisner. <laughs> I didn't know they were related, <laughs> and and I expressed my search, and that I didn't agree that the nation of Israel. And they look at me like, (laughs) 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 And that was wonderful. They didn't even flinch. It's like, (laughs) They didn't disagree with me. They didn't argue with me. They just smiled. (laughs) And I was thinking like Balaam. Think about it. I was thinking like Balaam. Because remember in the story when God came to Balaam and the delegation had come from Balak to go down and curse the people of Israel. He said, uh, God spoke to him. And by the way, I've been reading, I, I, I was um, uh, trying to figure out who, who was this Balaam. Because I, I, I thought that he was a real good prophet of God. Ended up being, you know, if you read a little bit of, uh, from the Jewish literature, that he was not such a nice fellow. He was a little flake. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, I, I, I read some things that I was like a, more shocked uh, from the Midrash, and uh, um, uh, some of the other, uh, what is it, uh, some of the other names. Since he told me, you speak from the heart, I don't have to prove anything, right? So, uh, from an uh, 11th century uh, Jewish scholar, Rashi, Rashi, some of the things that he says about who Balaam was, and so it's like, ah, oh, that's a different perspective, And that this guy was actually doing some interesting things even with the donkey. Some sexual things with the donkey that apparently he had some power derived from the donkey. That's that's one of the, the, the things that I read. And I just happened to read something about the Something that is extra-biblical. That is amazing. In 1967, a Dutch expedition under H. Franken discovered fragments of inscriptions written on a plaster at a Transjordan, Transjordanian, meaning across the Jordan River, site named Tell Der Ala, located about five miles east of the Jordan, not far from the northern bank of Jebok or Sirka River that flows into the Jordan. In the Hebrew... Bible, this area is known as, as Mek Sukkot. To the, the Valley of Sukkot. It's in Psalms, it's in Genesis, in Jude, J- Judges, Kings. Okay. Many of the plaster fragments were restored in the manner of a jigsaw puzzle. And the resulting combinations were published by Hofister and G. Van Der Koen in 1976. And it's composed of a similar language to biblical Hebrew. But it's dated to the line 19th or early 18th centuries before Christ. And the inscriptions attest the name of a seer, B-L-M-B-R-B-R, Balaam, son of Beor. For the first time in an extra biblical source, what is interesting is that this uh, their a-la inscriptions Relate the story of a divine seer who was visited at night in a dream by gods who revealed to him that an impending misfortune would devastate the land. The seer, greatly distressed, assembled the people to disclose them what he has learned. And he is depicted as a heroic figure who strove to save his people and the land which gave credence to some of the other Jewish interpretation when I read that. And you have to read a little bit more of the Bible, the whole Bible, in order to understand that this Balaam was not a nice prophet that was really consulting with the God of Abraham so much. He was pretending, and this is what what the part that I say, man, I was behaving like a Balaam too, because I was even spiritualizing my, 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 my questions and my doubts. And sometimes we, we play that game with God. We know what is right, but we don't want to obey. So we are trying to find a way to excuse ourselves and get away with murder. Oh, this is allowed. Oh, this little pork. Oh, this little, you know. <laughs> this little, just, just a little bit. It's not that bad. Even though it's very clearly written in the Bible, you shall not eat of this food, right? I mean, we play games a lot. Well, Balaam was playing games, and God intervened, and he says, who are these men with you? And he said to God, oh, um, Balaam, the son of Sippor, king of Moab, sent me this message of people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land now come and put a curse on them for me perhaps then i will be able to fight them and drive them away look what god said but god said to balaam do not go with them you must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed you know the story right that, that should have been enough what is God saying about the people of Israel? They're blessed. Don't even mess with that, with them. Because you're messing with them, you're messing with me. And the next day, you know, Balaam gave them the report. And, and look at what he, what he says. He didn't say everything. Notice. He says, um, the next morning he says, uh, go back to your country. Uh, for the Lord has refused me to let me go with you. Notice that he didn't say, do not curse them because they are blessed. He just said, he refused to let me go with you. It sounds like he's an obedient guide, right? You have to read more. And I was Was I behaving like Balaam? The people of Israel? You do not curse them. They are blessed. Oh, that's hard for me to accept that they are special. I thought that I was so special. And out of the sudden, these people, the whole people are more special than me. See, sometimes it's pride what makes us swallow That the people of Israel are special. By the way, all the verses that we know in Christianity, (laughs) they are referring to the people of Israel. And I made them mine. I didn't even know. Like, you remember that, that what it says, you are special priesthood. Special nation, holy to God. That was one of my favorite verse. I thought it was the New Testament for me. You know that is in the Old Testament? The Old Testament? And he's talking about who? People of Israel. It's like, come on. It was so special. (laughs) The freedom to think and disagree here in this synagogue and among the Jewish people is such a blessing. I have been blessed by you guys. It's just, okay, that's what you think. All right. You're a seven-day advent. Okay, you're fine. Welcome. You disagree. That's fine. Let me show you this other part. And and, and you don't use a hammer to make us accept what you believe. That's a gift. Keep practicing it. That's fresh air. The problem is that everyone thinks that they have the truth. And when you think that you have the truth, and you become so dogmatic, and you become so, sometimes arrogant, that you don't think that you can learn from somebody else because you know it all. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine that you as a human being Have the exclusive authority of knowing the all-knowing, infinite God of the universe? If you find that person, run away from them. (laughs) And I haven't said that only, okay? The rabbi have said that's why I'm saying it, okay? With authority here. From him. Run away from it. And I was still not convinced. You know what convinced me? A documentary. Nobody showed it to me. Nobody told me to watch it. Nobody even sat down to discuss. Let me show you how why the people of Israel is, is special. I watch a documentary in 2015. It was published in 2015, so that was a blessing that I think at that time is when I watch it. It's called Above and Beyond. Do you, do you recognize it? Above and Beyond is the story of the Air Force of Israel and how it started it. And I thought, man, this is miraculous. This is out of the ordinary. This is, remember that I knew all the history, right, of the beginning of the nation, at least in terms of the modern Israel, the state of Israel. So it fit very well and I was and seeing all these countries that were against Israel, it was like, God has his way, right? He has his way. And I was like, maybe they are. Blessed. <laughs> maybe they are special. Because this is special. This is special. You have to, you have to watch it. It's fun to watch it, on a, I watch it on a Saturday afternoon. So I think that you won't be seeing it if you watch it, okay? It's called, it, is, it, is, it is in um, Netflix. Yeah, Above and Beyond. It's so interesting And finally, not like Balaam, I was able to settle down the matter and say, these people are blessed by God. They are special, and I am privileged to actually have been called out of the Gentiles to join them. So thank you, all of you who have been before me, who have been faithful to the Torah, Who had been faithful to keeping all the beautiful legacy that you have kept for us. Our Messiah wouldn't have been born hadn't been for the people of Israel. We wouldn't be reading the Bible hadn't been for the sacrifice and the blood of all the people from Israel either. So we wouldn't have any hope if they had been destroyed. At least thank him for that. <sighs> but you know the story of Balaam. See, here we don't have a watch. What time is it? <laughs> uh, hair and it huh? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> Go Go for you, you, you tell me like, that's it, okay. So, Balaam didn't actually... Accepted the fact that he says, do not go go down with them. These people are not, do not even curse them. They are blessed. A second delegation, more important and distinguished and more numerous than the first one came. Right? And what did Balaam say? Guys, go back. I already told you, right? Is that what he said? No. He says, Ah, he, he, he looked like he was religious, right? Very, well, he was religious, but he was not really connected with Hashem. Because says, even if Bala gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. <laughs> now, now, listen to me. Now, look at his heart. Don't, don't be fooled by him. I was fooled by him. Not anymore. Now, spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. what else will God tell you? He already said it. You see how, how how we play with God? It is written, you shall not commit adultery. Right? And then I have this friend who's telling me, I think God is preparing me another wife. Because mine and he started a whole elaborate argument about how God was preparing him, this other woman that he had met, being married. That's Balaam. Oh, spend the night, let's see what God says. Just open the Bible, you shall not commit adultery. In the old and the new testament makes it even more difficult. Don't even think. When you look at someone, don't even think about wishing her. Because if you do that, you committed adultery in your heart. So how can you be even contemplating that God is preparing you another one? That's Balaam thinking. When it has been revealed already. What are you going to say? Oh, let me pray about it. Pray about it? It's already revealed clearly. It's like when you're struggling with Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> you will not find Sunday. I'm sorry to say, but you will not find Sunday in the New Testament either. And you look at Jesus it says, as it was his custom he went to worship on Sunday. Well, no, no, no but that was before his death. After he, and all this nice logic, but there's no evidence. And so it's like, okay, well, let me pray more. God is so Patient. God is so kind and merciful. So he was doing the same with Balaam. So, but God, he went, right? You know the story. He went. Oh, he allowed me. Maybe he's preparing another wife for me, right? <laughs> or another husband. He can be, I had, a, I had a lady. You know, sometimes when you are a, a licensed professional counselor, people come and tell you a lot of things. And, you know, and so this woman was telling me that, that, that she was praying that maybe God is going to kill her husband. <laughs> like he, uh, you know, remember that, that case when the, um, what well, what is his name? Um, Ooh, I, I, it escaped to me. Sometimes I, I neither English nor Spanish come to my mind. It was the man who was very angry with David, and he didn't want to share his uh, blessings from God because David had been taking care of the sheep and the men. What was it? And then, and then he was struck with a big aneurysm, aneurysm and he died and, and dropped dead. Nabal, thank you, Nabal, Nabal. And then she was free. (laughs) Now that her husband was dead, who did she marry? David. David invited her. It's like, oh, this is a nice lady. And now her husband is gone. So this woman was telling me too that that she was praying for God to get rid of her husband by death. (laughs) It's like... Have you ever read the verse in the Bible that it says, You shall not murder? (laughs) What was she doing? Praying for her husband to be killed so she could be freed? I mean, but she's obeying the law. Do you see how how we play the game with God? Balaam. Just Balaam thinking. And by the way, was God pleased with Balaam? (laughs) Oh, but he told me to go... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it says, by the way, look what it says. It says in verse 22 in Numbers, but God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. The angel of the Lord used the path where he couldn't even go anymore. And then remember, I mean, he tried once, he tried two times, and then eventually. The mule couldn't go go to the left or to the right because there was a, like a wall. And then his feet got pressed and he was so angry with the mule. He was so angry. Can you imagine that? He started even talking to the mule, answering to the mule. And he didn't question that he was doing something wrong. Which is one of the greatest lessons that I have learned lately. He says, the, the, the mule said, what have I done to you to make you beat me this three times? And he, he answered, you have made me a fool. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. This is the final lesson <laughs> for me that God is teaching me more recently. Is this, don't say Anything or do anything when you have tension in your heart. Mm. Don't say or do anything when you don't have peace in your heart. Now, tension, you know, as a, as a psychologist, you can call it depression, anxiety, nervousness, apprehension, bipolar, whatever it is that is affecting you and you have, you are not at peace don't say anything or do anything now God is a God of peace isn't that interesting that the blessing at the end and the blessing that you gave the kids include that as a central blessing from Hashem and he give you his peace now this guy was making a decision was he at peace what do you think when you are angry you think you have peace when you are even talking to a mule you know how illogical and unreasonable we become and we don't even notice right we don't even notice that he was talking to a mule he didn't even realize the miracle Completely, but we are, it's in righteous indignation, right? <laughs> righteous indignation. Uh, so, if you read a little bit more, you're going to uh, realize that Balaam actually made Israel trip. Not by cursing him, because God didn't allow him to curse him, to curse the people of Israel. Actually, he ordered things, and there were three blessings. And you know that um, he says uh, in Numbers 3:116, written by Moshe, Behold, this caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Remember why and how? sexual immorality. He says that the women of Moab made him worship Baal and they started doing activity, sexual activity. And they even brought one woman to the camp. Remember those those things? So he couldn't curse them, but he planned to attack them through men's weak spot. And he says, while Israel remained at chitim, the people began to play the hard lot with the daughters of Moab. That's in Numbers 25:1. And he says in Numbers 25:2-3, the daughters of Moab invited the people to sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Now I want to ask you a question. Like Dr. David always asks me questions, how many people died as a result of that behavior? Very good, Lance. 24,000. 24,000 people. Yeah, there are so many good people here who study the Torah. And you know that there's a verse that you find hidden in Numbers 31.8, one little verse that he says, the people of Israel fought against Media as Adonai had ordered Moshe, and killed every male. They also killed Balaam, the son of Boar, with the sword. So this guy remained an enemy of the people of Israel. He was just trying to play the game, but his heart was with the enemy. So he's mentioned in the Hall of Shame, even in Revelations, by our master. He says, I have something against you. He says, uh, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Revelations two fourteen and 15. So, before you join the, the enemy, before we join the enemy, give God's permission to give you his peace. If you feel tension, if you feel apprehension, if you're afraid, if you're nervous, if you're depressed, don't say or make any decisions. And notice that I'm saying give him permission. You know, our master Joshua says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest and he says in John fourteen twenty seven, peace I live with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid you know these verses right So he's talking about he's going. That's that's a guarantee. So if we are not experiencing peace, it's because we are not giving him permission. We cannot produce peace. I don't know, you know, you know. As counselors, we have our little tricks, right? My colleague here, where we can teach them a little relaxation. There's some imagery, some breath deep techniques. There's Jacobson relaxation. All those things they help. But that inner permanent peace, we cannot produce it ourselves. We cannot produce it. That's why he says, come to me. Come to me. And this is something that I'm practicing that is new. And I'm learning to just give him permission because my way of praying, and I'm finishing, okay? My way of praying was, I ask you and ask you and ask you and ask you and ask you. And now it's like, Sometimes I don't even know how to ask. Do you think that we know what is good for us? At one point, I remember asking some prayers that I said, thank God that he didn't answer them. They were so... So, and he says, uh, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine so neither can you unless you abide in me and he who abides in me and I in him he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing so he's the one who does it actually there is a verse that, that is even more clear in Philippians 2.13 that, that, that is a huge bomb for me where I don't have to have that pressure that I have to produce things that I have to work, that I have to make an effort. Because he's doing it for you and for me. Look at Philippians 2:13. He says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. He's doing it, he's producing it. So I just give him permission. Every time that I have tension. Every time that I have anxiety, every time that I feel like depressed, every time that I feel discouragement, I give him permission. I say, I give you permission, Father, to give me your son's Jesus peace in my heart. We say here, Yeshua, which is the Jewish term for Jesus. And he gives it to you. Sometimes we have so much adrenaline that the body has to get rid of that adrenaline so you don't get it right away. But you just keep hanging and keep pressing. And God gives you that peace. And the whole point is that we don't make decisions or we say things. And by the way, this is, a, this is an experience. This is not a theory. It's an experience. Because just last week I said something very hurtful to my wife. Immediately he convinced me, you blew it again. (laughs) And he said, oh, Father, I give you permission to restore your peace again in me. Okay, yes, I give you peace. Okay, now you have to apologize, which is the not so good part. (laughs) Admit that you are wrong. (laughs) I don't like that. But God is teaching us, right? He's teaching us. He wants to form his character in us. Ooh, what a task. So we are all in the process. So here I am. That's where I am right now in my journey. But thank you. And thank you to uh, Rabbi Damien for being not only uh, a great rabbi, and teacher, he really studies, he really presents things that you learn every time that you're here, but also thanks to Dr. David for his teaching at Torah and Lance and all the people who meet there, who, who study and who search, and for the rest of you who are also in the journey of learning more and for being so patient with me. I came to Zachary for example this week and there were only three of us and and I have um, them just kind of carrying me because I'm slow I don't know how to you know read the prayers very well much less in Hebrew and so uh, Wesley was very patient with me and going uh, and flipping his pages and so so I was copying his pages. So, you are welcome in this tribe to ask questions. Don't feel afraid that we're going to try to convert you. That's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's His job. That's Hashem's job. That's God's job. But we share if you ask. And, and people are so studious here. They are really good at reading beyond the Bible as well and history and and some of the uh, sages and luminaries from a Jewish perspective to understand. And it has been such an enriching experience to me to feel that I don't have to now argue and try to uh, twist things around. It's just a continuity from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's a whole revelation for us. And now, all the words that Jesus said make sense, you know? I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill. Like, yes, yes, it makes sense. Oh, and we we don't do the washing of the food and he established a new ceremony. If you just look at the context, what was he doing? Passover. What? He was doing Passover. I forgot that he was Jewish. (laughs) He was actually doing Passover. So it's like, There's a continuity. There's no contradiction. It's such a blessing. So I invite you to join us. And as they have been patient with me, if I can help in any way I can, for whatever I have learned, I'm willing to share with you if you are a little behind me. So we can continue to walk together and grow and represent, you know, finally his character, which is his law written in our hearts, in our life when we are practicing and living it. Amen? Amen. Shabbat shalom.
0: We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nahamu Ami by visiting our website at www.MaconMessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.